From Sandwich Community TV, I'm Manx Techie Magyar, and this is Blindside. The entire audio interviews that I've cut to make my short form video documentaries. In the spring of 2017, myself and former Sandwich TV employee, Payson Tickham, created a documentary about the life cycle of a pig, from being born in Barnstable to being chopped up and served in Wellfleet. Part of the documentary, we interviewed a poultry farmer named Drew Locke, who runs Hillside Poultry in Truro. Dave, you want to give us a little rundown? So yeah, why don't you just give us the spiel? <laughs> All right, yeah, no, Hillside Poultry, I started in... Uh, 2011, 2010-2011, um, I got out of high school and wanted to raise some chickens on the farm, my grandfather's farm that um, we're here today on. Um, seventh generation, uh, grew up here, and um, it's been a farm ever since we got the land. Started with cows grazing everywhere, and, and then I want to say the 1800s. There's no real documentation, but um, I'm seventh generation, so there's been, you know, all sorts of different farmers, different things going on here. Uh, but my grandfather went to school uh, at Stockbridge, and um, graduated in poultry poultry production and had uh, 10,000 egg layers, um, 5,000 meat birds, and um, had a big thing going on. Everyone in, Cape, you know, Lower Cape knew about him and would bring him eggs, and meat to different restaurants and stuff. But uh, in uh, 80s and, and uh, early 70s, he um, couldn't compete with the, with the price of, of eggs and chicken in the industry, and slowly the whole farm kind of turned into nothing. But my uncle and I started to pick it back up in the in like you know the 2000s. So um, when I got out of high school, I decided to go to college, the same college that my grandfather went to, and studied agriculture and. Um, and yeah, so I studied agriculture and I wanted to do the vegetable thing with my uncle, but we wanted to do meat too, so I stuck with the meat production. And so now I'm doing chickens, I've been doing, I started off doing 900 chickens, and then now I'm up to 2,000, almost 2,500. So uh, it's pretty cool, and, but my, what I think is cool is that I base my whole operation off the pasture poultry method. The idea of starting the chickens, brooding them, you know, mimicking a hen and, and its chicks. So you got the hen, it keeps the chicks warm, and then they gotta get cold and go eat the food and get the water, then come back and get warm. So as you see in the brooder domes, there's the dome where it's warm, but the water and feed are on the outside. Is that to simulate a very natural environment? Yeah, that, and also it helps them mature more. So kind of like everything in nature, they need to like work for their stuff. So if, the, if it was warm and just, you know, cozy all the time, they'd just be kind of lazy about everything. So we let them go out and get their food and we also raise the waters up and feeders up so they, they have to reach for stuff. And then so they're in here and I supplement with hay here and there, but uh, it has to stay really dry and hay's not really good at keeping stuff dry. But then in three weeks, I, I, put, I um, bring them down on pasture. Then on pasture, I move them every day to a new spot off of yesterday's excrement onto that fresh green pasture. and. And that freshness of that move stimulates ingestion of the green material on the, on the grass. So, um, so they consume 30% less grain. They couldn't, you know, live off of just pasture, but, um, you know, they consume 30%. So it's all those micronutrients in the grasses. And then in return, 
all that nutrients goes to the meat that we get to enjoy. So. Yeah. And so you do that and you do pigs? Yep, I do like around two to six, eight pigs a year, mainly for my family and the restaurants that are so good to me. So, uh, and then the ducks is also for restaurants because, you know, if I, yeah, if I didn't have that, you know, 70, 60 to 70% of my sales are the restaurant. So it keeps me going. Like I slaughtered 90 birds a week this year. So, yeah, so I said, you know, they take them weekly and then I have some for the farmer's market, but it's, you know, it's a weekly thing. So if I get, if I get stuck up by a restaurant with 30 birds in two That's weeks, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it takes a toll on me. Then I got to figure out how to get rid of them. And, and then I have to do, I could get rid of them, but it's just easier for me to know that they're going to take the, the chickens. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, I've been doing this and I've tweaked everything. You know, I built these, I had this, this two palace and then I had them like, you know, just hanging, hanging um, lights and stuff. But then I built these brooders. Now I have them all sectioned off. I had the domes and now I'm starting to put this poly board so everything's, you know, can be clean and no diseases and stuff like that. So, um, did you know you were always going to do this? I wanted to, I really wanted to for a while, me and my brother, because we used to have the cows out here. When I was growing up, we would feed the cows, but my grandfather always said, don't think about it. Don't, don't get into farming at all, because it's, yeah, it's a labor of love, but you won't make any money, and you know, what's happened to me is going to happen to you, so don't do it. So, uh, and, I, and I was like, okay, fine. So I thought I was going to you know, be a hockey star or be like in the sports medicine and something like that, but I looked into it, and I, I played junior hockey, and I was watching everything around me, and I just felt more, you know, at peace when I was down here you know you can go anywhere and it's like you're going through the motions but when I was here it's like where I was supposed to be so um so I played junior hockey and then I told my family that I wanted to get some egg layers I want to do eggs for chickens because I couldn't do the vegetables and they're like then I was thinking about it I couldn't go to college if I had egg layers because I I couldn't you know take care of the chickens you know when I'm at school so I found this I went online and I found this pasture poultry method and this mobile slaughter unit. So I could raise the chickens during the summertime and then kill them all before I went to school. So I raised, yeah, like that 900 that first year, went to college and I did, studied in the Stockbridge program. And when I was there, you do an internship. So I, I picked an internship with the people that own the unit. So I raised uh, the mobile poultry processing unit um, out of New Entry Sustainable Farming Project. That, where, where is that at? That's, so the one that I worked at was at, uh, in Belchertown, Mass. Okay. But the main office is in Grafton. And Jennifer Hashley is like the big, she's, she runs the whole program. So it's really cool. So right now, I, I manage the mobile unit. It's in Falmouth right now, but I'll have it here in about two weeks. Um, but it's a, it's a unit that, that goes to farms, to people that want to slaughter their chickens, uh, uh, certifiable, so you can sell them. So in the state, there's no way to slaughter chickens that are, that's legally to sell. You have to either use this unit or bring it to Rhode Island or um, Manchester, Vermont. So, you know, it's a big bottleneck for farmers because you can't slaughter stuff and sell it. Yeah, you're not you know, if I didn't have this unit, I had to drive to Rhode Island every week and bring them down and it's just the whole, and I didn't agree with, like, with that. Like I want to keep everything on a farm. This farm is almost a closed loop system besides the grain I had to get out. And in college, I was kind of my goal is like, figuring out a way to have a closed loop system, yeah. Because I compost all the stuff, 
all their viscera, all that stuff gets composted and then it goes back into the fields. Um, you know, that's, that's what's most sustainable about farming. So what you try to do is try to eliminate outsources right. and do it yourself. And then I guess can you just talk about the importance of Sorrel? It's really, I mean, it's awesome to have restaurants that are like yeah. that. Um, and basically that's why I want to kind of do this kind of mini doc about Cape Cod. I, didn't, I never thought of Cape Cod as a farm place. No, but and, and it's not really, but, it's, but the people that like it yeah. are like hardcore, like really like want us to thrive and want this whole thing to thrive. So, and the people that farm, you're really close to. And the people that like it, you're really close to. You know? Yeah, it seems like a great community of like restaurants, yeah. people who get to enjoy it too and eat it. And it's like he told me when I first started, he was buying my stuff. He helped me slaughter one time. And, and he's like, true, I'll never forget this. He's like, whatever you raise, I'll buy. <laughs> and that just, and it just made me feel more comfortable about, you know, like I wanted to do, do ducks, but they're more expensive and they're more hard to take care of. But if he's gonna buy them, then I wanna help him out too and, and, and I can, you know, I want to get goats or sheep someday. I'd love to get cows, but I, again, it's just time. And, and what's nice about the chickens is it's, it's an eight-week turnover. It's pretty quick, right? Yeah, so you get them, and then they're a week old tomorrow, and then in seven weeks, I'll process them, and then I could just keep going. And also, you don't, like with turkeys or other animals, you know, you always have the chance of them dying or something bad happening. So with turkeys, you know, you have, they're 25 weeks. You know, the 20th week, if you have a, a huge thunderstorm and they, they you know, because they, there's this old myth that they, when it starts raining, they're wondering what's on top of them and they look up and, it's, and they drowned. <laughs> yeah. Which, which my grandfather told me happened to him one time. You know, they were just out and it was like an a afternoon rainstorm. Um, but you lose all that money. You know, you, you invested, yeah. you know, so much money into those chickens, so you lose that money, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, like your livelihood and in these things. Yeah, so like I'll so I lost I lost ten already because um the post office is I get them in the mail to so the little boxes right there. And um I found out they got to wear him and they stayed in a truck overnight, which was like forty degrees that night. It was so what happens is that they're living off their yoke the first couple of days and then they once they get in here, they transition themselves to the water and food. And if they're chilled off, if they're really lethargic, they just won't make that transition. So I was looking in there and they're like lethargic, their eyes are opening and I'm like, I grab them, I try to put them near the water and, and dunk their, but it's already happened. It's like too late yeah, so I, I was like, is there something wrong? I called my flock health inspector. He's like, no, it's just the way, it just happens. That's why they, you know, they, get, they send you six extra, which is fine. But in the summertime, I don't ever have that issue, so. Yeah, hawks though. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, so I have I have hawks out there, and I've had I've had coyotes and foxes, but I have that exterior fence that helps keep them out. But the hawks are like gnarly. They they come around, but they're all closed in, as you saw. They'll they'll walk around the pen, look for one little spot that's that's not level, and they'll sit on their butts and their wings out and put their feet under, and wait for one to walk by, grab it with his foot and yank it out. That's what stinks about the free range chicken with all yeah. the protection. Because you're trying to be better for the chicken, but then they're yeah. going to get So that's the other reason why the pasture, the, the pasture pens are so nice because there's small numbers in there. So 60 birds per pen. And, there, and after you get over 60, there's a, a pecking order. So here there, there's 180. And what I'm going to do in a couple of days is turn this pen on 
and pick the alphas out of this pen. So I'm going to take them all out of here, weigh them up, and then take the alphas, which are the, so say that the average weight is, is 0.84. Every chicken above 9.9 .9 pounds is going to go into this pen so that these alphas can, can you know, be alphas together and the rest of them have a chance to, to grow and be their own alphas over here. So you separate them out so there's less stress that way and then you bring them down on pasture and then they're safe in those pens. They feel safe, but yet they have all that grass to eat. So there's very little stress. That's the whole idea. Little stress, low numbers, you know, great life, and they just have one bad day. That's all it takes, yeah. Yeah. Just uh, wrapping up this pretty quick, can I actually have you push back? I just, we were actually heading that way anyway, so. Yeah. And then I just wanted to ask, I mean, we, we've been talking about it a bunch, but. No, keep going, because I'd rather do this right than not. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate this. It's cool. No, and then we hope we can kind of build a promo beyond just doing like the, the, the kind of local food awareness kind of thing, but we wanted definitely to be able to promote you and your business. Yeah. Can I have you take a step down huh? a little bit? Perfect. Um, but talking about how important it is for... Um, Am I looking at the camera or not? No, yeah, sorry, not looking at the okay. camera. <laughs> yeah, no, it's confusing because I'll be over here checking. Yeah. Camera. But yeah, you can just look right this way, yeah. looking off camera. But how important it is for people to support this kind of movement and support local farms, local restaurants, it's, it's super important. Um, so back to school, my senior capstone project was titled Strengthening Community Food Using an Integrated Farming Plan. So strengthening community food, like us in this community, can only happen if everybody's on board. So if everybody wants to buy good food from the farmer, the farmer's like, sweet, I'll grow it. But if you guys, if I had to outsource it to Boston or off Cape, I don't feel Personally, I don't feel too comfortable about that. It's just a whole other hassle to, to do. So when the community's together and I can sell my, my product to them and just them and it's just a, a close-up system in that sense, it's just, it just means a lot. And the, you know, people talk about the carbon footprint of, of you know, how, do we, how in the middle of winter is it possible to have so many salad greens down, down here? It's because California's growing it or Mexico or whoever or even South America, and it's being shipped up here. And there's just so much with, with fuel, you know, carbon footprint, so, and, and, the, and the labor, it's just, um, you should really eat in the seasons, is something that I really believe in. Um, but uh, to, have, to have the community on board with the, with the farms is, is a huge thing, and I think that if, if they really let us know, each farmer would, would grow for them. So right now it's just the farmers markets and stuff like that that we know about, but it's only one day a week. So it's like, I could grow a ton more stuff, but I'm just selling on Saturdays. If there was like this one spot that could, like a co-op, that I could just drop my chickens off or bring other vegetables and not have to worry about selling it one, one to one kind of thing. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if there's a percent markup, it's like, it's not really that big a deal because I'd be raising so much stuff, but, um, but it's super important just, just for, and for the, the food itself going into your body. You know, the stuff that's coming from wherever has to be preserved somehow, whether we think about it or not. It, there's something that's happening to have salad greens to stay fresh for two weeks. Normally when you cut salad greens, it's like four days, if that, even if it gets, gets chilled. Do you, do you think this whole kind of, this whole belief should be, is it kind of fall more on the, the consumer as like an independent or is it more like on restaurants? Like where do you think we need to kind of take the next? Um, 
on Cape Cod or just in general? I guess speaking on Cape Cod, yeah. Yeah, on Cape Cod, it's, it's tough because we can, I base my whole production off of July and August because I know I can sell everything then. So that's why like, I'm gonna shoot for 90 birds a week starting the last week of June, all July and all of August, and I know I can sell them. But over the winter time, I'll have like maybe 400. So it's, so that sense is like the farmer, when I went to UMass, it was like CSAs everywhere, everyone was growing year round and, and the hoop houses and stuff, and it was just a cool concept. And it's like, we call that the bubble out there because it's really not, it's not real life out there because <laughs> you know, everyone's really into it out there and there's an, enough farmland for everybody. The farmland out here is really sandy. So you need a lot, you need to implement stuff with manures or whatever, um, other soils and stuff like that. Um, but so that's, that's how you make your money is to grow like that. All, the, all of us around here, in my opinion. But um, if there was a, a group of, of, of consumers that are really about the product and would like to buy, you know, I have some people that buy 20 chickens off me a year to have in their freezer. And I think for other farmers, if they could, you know, raise, raise the produce, if they really wanted it, they would do it. Where they need more people than just like five. It'd be like, it'd be like a 50 person thing where I would know about it, you know, Dave DeWitt or Lucas or those guys. So you rely a lot on the traditional Cape oh, yeah. tourism like everybody does and that makes it difficult to yeah. keep this thing going more around year yeah. round. Because the, the locals aren't, aren't into it enough. Or they could be more. Yeah, you know. That's so why the co-op you mentioned would be like a really great thing. Yeah, it'd be huge. If we had one, one central spot where we could bring our stuff and, and just have it and they know about it and it just be really, I've, I've been talking about that forever. My biggest, like I told you my, my senior project, you know Tea Time and, and East Ham? You know Willie's Gym? Oh, Willie's Gym, yeah. I've had this idea of having like pasture animals and, and farm out back and then the front would be like a, a co-op and then like maybe a little educational room down the side and I just, because there's not much flat land left around. But like I've, I've always thought, like have you ever heard of Stone Barns and uh, uh, New York? There's this, there's this educational restaurant, educational farm, Seraldi knows about it, yeah. where they grow their, their, their stuff, their produce, and they have their animals, and then they have their farm, and then they have their restaurant, and they have their retail, then they have educational stuff from, you know, 4-H little kids all the way up to, to people that just want to learn about farming. Yeah. And, um, it's just, and then when there's so many people like involved and excited about it, it's easier to get stuff done. Because yeah. people are like, oh, let's go. Let's, you know, I got five people that wanna help do this project. But when it's just me, like I wanna do it, get it done, and it just takes me longer, and it's like, I got a baby at home now, I got a wife, they need me to, you know, she needs to help, and uh. Yeah, yeah, you need, you need people to. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, it's probably why it's a huge motivation why we reached out to Seraldi, because what he's doing. So you reached out to him. Yeah, well, I did, a, I did another project, and that's when I first heard about him. This doesn't seem like a Cape Cod restaurant. Yeah. And then again, then I start learning about all these local farms, and I feel like I wasn't even really aware. You know, we go stop yeah. and shop. Yeah. Where we go, growing up on, we grew up in Sandwich. Okay. So, but it's a big community, and it needs to be bigger, which is why we're motivated to make kind of a. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's cool. When you were, what about like when you're, uh, you're a kid, like, is there, um, do you have any memories of the, of the farm or anything? Oh yeah, I used to. So. The cows were down here. That whole pasture we were just in was all fenced in, and it was fenced in up here. 
And um, I would always come down and feed them. There was an electric fence, but they would get out every once in a while. And I was sleeping at my house, and I, was, I had a room on the, on the bottom floor. And I woke up, and there was a cow right in my window like this. No joke, it, it was freaked me out, but I'll never forget that, that vision. But they would just get out, and they'd, they'd roam everywhere and just eat stuff. But yeah, coming down and, and hanging out with the pigs, there was an electric fence, so we used to, like me and my brother and my cousins, we would all hold hands, and one would, one would grab the, the, uh, the electric fence, and the last person on the end would get shocked. Oh, yeah. We, you know, we'd play like street hockey or whatever, baseball, and a ball would go in the fence. And my, we had a, a metal bat with a little plastic thing on it. My brother was like, don't get it, you won't get shocked, and he, he knew. So I was like, reaching for it, you know, you get shocked. And, <laughs> and we used to like, um, you know, because they weren't that fast. You'd sneak up behind them and, and like hit them on their butt and run away and stuff like that. Yeah. And we used to, uh, when you get big zucchinis, you, they're not really sellable, we would hollow them out and just make like little boats out of them and put them in the pond and stuff like that. Paint them up. And then sledding was always fun because you got these hills. It's a hill over there and a hill over there. Yeah, we used to like play like army and, and like, because we could go anywhere. It was just cool. Like there was all of us and we just would like run around here. And we used to, one year I got in trouble because we were like pretending like it was like, like life or death. We had to go get food. So there was carrots out in the field. And every day we would go get some carrots and bring them back and like put them, spread them out. Be like, all right, this one's mine. This one's yours. And, and we got to save this for today. And then tomorrow we can go get more though. It was like a week, and then my grandfather found out. He was pissed. Yeah. But um, it was just a cool, cool way to grow up, you know, being around, all this stuff. And so, which was kind of sad for me, is like when I was little, it was thriving with the vegetables. It was just cows, no chickens. And then as I got older, my grandfather um, has Joseph's disease, so he slowly couldn't really be out um, on the farm. It's a, it's a nerve, nerve disease. And... Um, no one was really picking it up, and then my uncle and I, not, well, I was young, so he didn't really like, think I was going to be all about it, but I was like, I want to do this so bad. He's like, all right. So he started to clean up the farm and do his thing, and then, um, but, he, but we, he didn't know much about farming. He just knew what my, what my grandfather did, and um, so he went through a lot of ups and downs, you know. He's like, that with this, this sucks, like, blah, blah, blah. So he ended up starting to do a lot of hydroponics and, and hoop house stuff which is very, you know, they need this, that, and the other thing. If they don't get it, then they're not going to do good. But if they do, they'll do great. So he's good with his system over there. I'm more about this organic, like, you know, soil, grass, chickens. They call, like, so have you heard of Joel Salatin? He's, uh, um, so he's the guy who, the method that I do, the pasture poultry, he designed the method. And um, he calls himself a grass farmer. Because if he doesn't have the grass, he can't do anything else he wants to do. So, yeah, he's like one of my idols. And Elliot Coleman's a cool dude. He's a, a farmer in, uh, in Maine that does four-season farming. And he hates California. He's the man, <laughs> Elliot Coleman. So he, he, his goal is to, like, he grows year-round, four seasons, you know, spring mixes and carrots and, and leeks. He grows really cool leeks, but everything. But he, what he did is he went over to Spain and learn about their four seasons farming because it's on the 44th parallel. So we have the same seasons. And he learned about how they grow year round and then he brought all that information back and he's been doing it. He's wrote like four books. Where, where's he based out of? Uh, in Maine. Oh, in Maine, okay. 
Yeah, he's like seven hours from here. Because I, I wanted to go, I wanted to go see it, and I was like, oh, you know, I put it in Google Maps, and it's, it's a hike. But uh. Drew Locke still operates the Hillside Poultry, and a lot of restaurants on the Cape utilize his chickens for their own meals. You can even go to the Hillside Farm Stand, located in Truro, Massachusetts, for fresh eggs and other fresh products. Blindside is a sandwich community TV podcast. Subscribe to us on your favorite platform or visit us directly at www.sandwichcommunitytv.org so you can stay up to date with all the newest content. Thanks for listening.